I think it's harder to trade really gappy charts. Hey, it's Walter here, and you're at the Think Profit Podcast, where we're going to help you develop a rock-solid trading confidence and avoid the potentially endless cycle of system switching. Right, Hugh? That's right. We're going to help you develop a wealth mindset, develop a trading strategy that fits your core personality, and help you overcome the obstacles that stop over 90% of traders. All right, Hugh. Sounds good. You ready to go? Yeah, let's do this. Hey, Hugh. So I got a question from a trader. He's been trading indices and shares for a long time. And he was saying that when he tried to move over to currencies, he found it difficult. And he was wondering, like, why is it that he finds it difficult moving over? And um, I had some ideas on that. But what were some of your thoughts? Um, Yeah, I think it's just a different psychology, right? I think Forex and maybe futures kind of have a similar psychology and then you got stocks indices and maybe even options that have a slightly different um, psychology behind them. And it seems like if, if you're a stock trader, you can find value um, going long. You're looking for those companies that are like really undervalued or they're going to have a new product coming out or something like that. And you can look at the fundamentals and really lean on that. And then for like the penny stocks, if you find like those scam companies and you know that they're no good, but they take off, then you can just short them. It's a different psychology behind that uh, compared to like Forex or maybe even futures. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. No, I think probably the biggest thing is what you touched on is like when you look at shares. Okay, so when I started trading in the 90s, we learned from this guy named William J. O'Neill who wrote a book, How to Make Money Trading Stocks. I think that was, it's something like that. We can put it in the show notes. And he, he came up with the Investor's Business Daily, which he thought was a more technical based newspaper rather than like the Wall Street Journal, which was kind of like the, the go-to thing in the States at the time. Other countries have different papers, but so he was talking about earnings per share, relative strength and things like that. And we would get the charts every week called daily graphs. And they were like these phone books, like sometimes five of them would come every week and we could pour through them and look at the charts and find out if there's any cup and handle, which is what William J. O'Neill talked about in his book, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, here's the thing. We were only looking for shares to buy. And this is also like in the dot-com bubble too, like from 94 to 99. So we were only looking to buy. There was a really hardcore rising market, especially towards the end of that, like 97, 98. Mm -hmm. There was a lot going on then. And I remember, you know, buying stocks like Netscape, Gateway 2000, which made computers, (laughs) Um, you know, all these really like AOL, all these really like darling companies at the time. And when you think about it, it, a couple of things are interesting about that. Like we were only buying, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're a currency trader, automatically you have to look at things a little bit differently. Even I would even argue more than it's a little bit different to futures traders because futures traders, like I remember when oil fell earlier this year in 2020, earlier in 2020, I think it was, I don't think it was late 2019, it was early 2020, oil fell really hard. And Mm -hmm. everyone was saying like it was the death of oil. But the thing is, oil does have some intrinsic value. It, it can't go to like zero cents. You know what I mean? Um, I suppose a company could, like if, if a company is totally bankrupt and they're toast, then yeah, the shares will go really low. But before that, they'll actually delist it mm-hmm. and they'll take it off the major exchange and they'll move it to another. I remember I had a stock. I know this because I had a stock and I called my broker. There's no internet or anything. And I called my broker. I'm like, what like, where's the stock? I can't find the quote, like in the paper. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, it's gone to the, I think he called it the, like the, the note board or it was something about the board. 
some sort of board. Mm. I'm like, what's the note board or whatever? He goes, that's where stocks go to die. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, awesome. My stock's going to die. But yeah, so I guess the biggest thing is when you're training Forex, you're always training one relative to the other. Mm. So you can look at the pound Aussie chart or you can look at the Aussie pound chart. And there are actually some charts that you can find. We can post in the show notes where you actually, you know, it's the opposite. It's not the Euro USD, it's the USD Euro. It's really kind of hard to, to wrap your head around that. So inherently, currency pairs are range bound. Hey there, I hope you're finding this episode useful. I just wanted to let you know that Walter and I give away something valuable every month that helps traders improve their skills. You can enter to win by simply leaving an iTunes review and leaving a comment on our YouTube videos. At the end of each month, we'll look at the comments and reviews from the month, and we'll pick a winner at random. Each comment and each review counts for one entry during the month that it's submitted. So if you're interested in that, be sure to enter after this podcast is over. All right, back to the episode. Now, it doesn't seem like that because we still can trade with leverage in Forks, even though they're trying to take that away from us. There still is a range, a high and a low for the euro, which the euro USD, it's about from, you know, it's been about 77 cents to the euro to about $1.61, I think, around there. So it's basically been caught in that range since the uh, the inception of the euro. And every currency pair kind of has that range. So it's a little bit different from, say, gold. Because some people right now, if you talk to them, they'll say gold is going to go to $10,000. Well, it hasn't really been to $10,000 in, in, in modern times. You know, we don't have a chart that goes back that shows gold being worth that much. But it could, and it could go to 100000 or 200000 Same with Bitcoin and everything else. Whereas with currencies, it's a little, I mean, that could certainly happen, but that would mean that one of the currencies is basically in the toilet and is, is done, and they're going to have to reset yeah. that currency, right? So yeah, it, it does take a little bit of a different approach. You, you really have to, you almost have to consider twice as many decisions because you're thinking of buying or selling. Whereas a lot of times, there are a lot of share traders and index traders that just buy. I suppose index traders are a little bit different because they could, they could buy and sell. And certainly futures traders can also sell. But they definitely have a, a buy bias mm. that you don't necessarily have to have as a currency trader. The leverage thing too, if you haven't traded futures before, that can be a bit tricky to get your head around. And it was for me. Like I remember when I was first getting into, you know, out, getting out of share trading and getting into this, I had to talk to a futures broker like on the phone and he was like sending me stuff so that I could understand, you know, what is this margin thing and all that. And we had actually, you know, we had actually traded shares on margin. We, we were able to do that, but it wasn't, it wasn't the level that you get in Forex or in um, futures, obviously. It was a much, and I have no idea what the margin requirements are now in, in shares, but we couldn't get that much, you know, and you yeah. have the interest and all that, you know. I remember I, I had a small futures account once and I only could take one trade at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's why, you know, that's why some of the, like the Ryan Jones method of fixed ratio trading, like that's where that comes from, because Mm -hmm. it's like, the question was, how do we grow our account quickly when we can only trade, you know what I mean? Like you're kind of stuck with these fixed lot sizes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's where all that stuff comes from is from that sort of approach. It's really lucky, I think, and fortunate if you're a currency trader that you have, you can get fine lot distinctions and you can get smaller lot sizes because that makes a big difference over time. Of course, if you map it out, 
you can see that it makes a huge difference over time if you're able to get precisely 2% risk or precisely 1.5% risk or whatever your, your risk amount is. It's a bigger deal for sure because future traders can't do that, obviously, especially with smaller accounts. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think if you look at the mechanics of the different markets too, when you dig into it, like the stock market, like if you have a retirement account, you can only go long, right? stuff like that. And then you have the pattern day trader rule, which really kind of um, limits people. And if you want to go short, then you have to be able to borrow the shares, which means you have to find it somewhere. And then same thing with like the futures markets where it can get locked, limit out, limit down. So uh, there's all kinds of different mechanics behind it. Uh, whereas the futures market, I mean, the uh, Forex market is pretty wide open. You can go long and short pretty easily both ways. Yes. And outside of the States, you can trade CFDs, mm, yeah. contracts for difference, which is like in the UK and Australia, we have these where it's like the major shares like, you know, Tesla or Apple or whatever. You can trade like, it's actually the same as Forex really, where you're trading like a mirror of the market. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in Forex, we're trading these charts that aren't, you know, our broker passes the trade through to the real currency market, the real interbank currency market. And it's the same thing with the CFD. So you can actually trade smaller lot sizes and stuff with like Tesla or Apple or, you know, the major, the big shares that are traded like Microsoft and stuff like that. So, yeah. So that's another thing that you can do if you move over to sort of like the Forex world. It takes a bit, I think, of mental flexibility once you go over to currency trading. I understand people say it's harder, mm. but it depends on what you consider to be harder. Like, I think it's harder to trade really gappy charts. Yeah. That's really the main reason why I like current like currency. I, I really do. I mean, it used to be like probably like most people because you like to have charts going like after work or whatever. So you can trade, you know, when you get home or, or mm. early in the morning before you go to work or something like that. The thing that I really hate is having a trade on and then the market gaps over, you know, your stop or your price or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that, all that stuff, to me, that is a lot of risk there. Now, I understand currencies definitely do do gap as well. The technical analysis side of trading is so much easier when you have these really smooth charts, which you typically get, you know, these candles that you get in Forex. And that's what I really like about it, to be honest. Like I've looked at Australian companies, Australian shares, and they're so gappy. And the market's only open here for like four hours or something. It's crazy. And so you get these massive gaps. And it's just, it just, you know what it looks like? It looks like target practice. <laughs> it looks like someone just took a gun and just shot it. Like, like, you're like, whoa. So it opened here today. And then tomorrow it opens up here. It's crazy, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I really like the smooth charts that you get in currencies. And that, to me, that's another thing that I think, you know, might be weird if you're coming over from shares and you're so used to that. Yeah, it just depends. With anything, though, practice is what it's going to take. And, you know, working through a simulator, getting your feet wet, getting your confidence up, all the the sort of fundamentals of trading, that's the way to go for sure. Yeah, Um, well, backtesting is really tough with the shares too, right? Yeah. So many data sets, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, you need a lot of data. That's right. Yeah, that's that's right. Actually, one of the guys in the forum, he was showing me one that I didn't even realize, I didn't even hear about, but he uses this in his share trading and it looks, you know, it looks very similar to Forex Tester. Hmm. But you're right. I mean, you got to get, you got, your data has to be really good no matter what, if you want to get some good idea of how your strategies are going to work for sure. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks, Walter. See ya. Yeah. All information in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and is not trading or investment advice.